Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. I am your first co-host of the show, lifelong wrestling fan, cat dad, and wrestling figure collector, Troy. And with me, as always, is my co-host of the most. He is our WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia, the main event collector himself, and the Stevie F. and Ray to my Booker T. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? Good Lord. Why do I got to be him? Because... I'm Booker T. It's non-negotiable. It's the hell you are. <laughs> oh, man. This is a show you personally... I mean, we talked about it, but you really wanted to cover this this one when I when we were uh, going over what our fifth show of the month would be because clearly I can't read a calendar. So uh, we had to rebook the territory, pal. 
I, I know uh, 1997, you said off-air, was one of the greatest years in professional wrestling history. So, of course, we're going back to it. Two weeks in a row, might I add, because last week we covered Raw from this same month on the 22nd, uh, September 22nd, 1997. And now we're covering this uh, fall brawl from September of 1997. This was a good month, man. Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite periods in all of wrestling. Well, you know, when we were talking about what well, what should we cover uh, from from, you know, because I wanted to do fall brawl, but it's like, oh, what year do we do? And you said one year, I said another year, and we decided the only way to solve this was in Mortal Kombat. War games. No, no Mortal Kombat. It's even better. War games. I, I I said something to somebody the other day about it. I was like, man, he had such a historic, illustrious career and not like he won you know title after title or anything but it's like he's such a great wrestler historic career wrestled all over the world and when he retires people will remember him shouting war games <laughs> that's his new thing too by the way yeah i mean I, and to, to his credit everybody said it's like hey gets me hyped for the event yep <laughs> it's better than teddy long coming out and yelling tag match player is it i don't know did that get you hyped at all uh, not after it became a rank thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just that and one-on-one with The Undertaker. But anyway, we are here, Fall Brawl 1997. It was actually titled Fall Brawl War Games. So, either way. But we, we will cover the event after we get into all the news and notes from that time period. And I thought we just covered something from this time period last week. How much more news could there be? There is some, trust me. And we will get all into all of that right after this short break. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Now, back to our program. All right, man. You want to cover the news and notes from the time period? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm chuckling because of... Uh, I... That's one of my story. favorite parts, honestly. It takes me back. Yeah. Well, I don't know if these first two stories will take you back, but we'll talk oh, about man, it. Man, what a, what a way to preface it. Oh, this should be good. Well, you mentioned, because I, I talked about uh, certain wrestlers last week that passed away during the month of September, like Fritz Von Erich, and uh, uh, there was somebody else. And, oh, uh, Jeep Swenson passed away around this time. They had his funeral in September. And you mentioned on Raw, they had something for Dick Bulldog Brower. That passed away, and yeah, well, I've never, I had never heard of this guy. I want to point that out. No one he's ever. A, he's an old territory wrestler. I don't know much past that. You have to ask Jim Cornette because I'm, I'm pretty sure he knows everything there is to know about this guy. I'd rather not talk to him, but okay. You're you're missing out, Greg. But all right, <laughs> here we go. This is why um, maybe we should have, maybe they should have done some research beforehand. Dick Bulldog Brower died around this time. He was a heel who wrestled in the Northeast and Canada during the 1960s and 70s and was one of Bruno San Martino's regular opponents. Here's where um, 
here, here's where it gets interesting. After retiring in 1982, Brower was known as the leader of a white supremacist group and even appeared on radio commercials for the KKK. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, How do you let that get through? It's like, well, God dang it, pal. He's a legend. Put it up there. It wore I don't a pointy know. hat. I can make <laughs> money off that. Here's another one, man. Takes you back to this time. Ooh. Missy Hyatt and Scott Putsky, the son of Ivan Putsky, did a porn film that aired on one of the pay-per-view porn channels around this time. What? I never knew that. I didn't either. Apparently, Is this why was... he was released? No, no, this was before, I believe, or maybe not. I don't know. I like he was wrestling in 97 in WWE. Huh. And then he well, just disappeared. I don't know, because I, I know you and I had... He was in WCW in 98, Yeah, I think. Yeah. He, apparently, from what I read, you can't see, like, Missy is in full form. You can't see Putsky's, like, they purposely crop out his head. So you can't see that it's him, per se. But apparently it was known, yeah, that's Scott Putsky. Wow. <sighs> Look, I'm not trying to be funny, but is anyone really surprised that it's Missy Hyatt? <laughs> I don't think anybody. If somebody is surprised, that's the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to be another racism and porn episode you've already started with it all yeah well, getting unless, it out of the way you got it all out of the way i i might have so we'll we'll get into other stuff but i don't think it's quite as bad jim neidhart returned during an angle with the heart foundation fighting off Shawn michaels and his group during this angle neidhart hit rick rude a few times which is interesting because due to his insurance policy rude can dish out punches and stuff but he is not allowed to take any bumps or hits he reportedly was not too happy about this afterwards. After about three hits from Neidhart, Rude bailed out of the ring and looked notably pit, or noticeably pissed. Hmm. Do you remember that at all on Raw? I remember the moment. I just didn't. I forgot he couldn't get hit. So that's. Yeah. Obviously, at the time, I didn't know that. So. Right. And they hit it pretty well. So what are we going to do with uh, with with Shawn Michaels and Hunter Hearst? You know, we got to have they're, they're getting overpowered by the, the Hart Foundation or, or they're overpowering the Hart Foundation. What are we, we going to do for the hearts? Uh, yeah, bring out the rhino. He's going to go out there and hit that uh, that little uh, wussy man, Rick Rude. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I had to get I had to get one Stu Hart impression in for the show. Uh, um, here we go. I yeah, I wouldn't have known anything about that unless it was for Bischoff's podcast with the. Uh... Uh, Lloyd's of London thing. Yeah, I had heard about it, but Don Callis is signed with a WWF deal and will be starting soon. And he will be the leader of the Truth Commission. Yay. You say that sarcastically, I think. But... Yeah, I say that like it's not an amazing moment. Dude, man, that dude, the Truth Commission was hot as wildfire, man. Uh, there are a couple things I could do with that, but I'm not <laughs> going to. Yeah, they made it, the Dungeon of Doom look like, terrible, dude. And, you know, we all know how amazing that was. Again, there are a lot of jokes to be had in that that I'm just going to leave alone. I, I just Don Callis, man, just, apparently, by the way, this was a thing of an idea from Bret Hart because he went over in South Africa, saw something. I, I, it wasn't called the Truth Commission. I can't remember what they called themselves, but they dressed like the Truth Commission. It was these troops that went through South Africa. And he was like, oh, that would make a great heel group whatever and vince tried to placate brett he was like uh yeah we'll, we'll give it a try and brett knew don Callis from canada so he called him up to be the manager uh, yeah i don't know this oh, is just yeah. 
no one ever accused. Look, Bret Hart was was one of them that's like super great for himself and his character and his matches, and that's where it stopped. Don't let him book a territory. <laughs> like Chris Jericho. Oh, good lord! You want a Mimosa match uh, headlining every show? Come on, dude, that's money. Yeah, man. Uh, well, he also said that Stadium Stampede. He said that was uh, his greatest accomplishment in wrestling, or something like that, or the greatest thing he's ever done in professional wrestling that he's so proud of was a Stadium Stampede. I had a lot of fun watching that match, but if we're oh, going to yeah. it down as a match, it was an embarrassment. But I mean, it, was it was a fun watch, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, I'm not saying it wasn't fun, but. This is the man who beat Stone Cold and The Rock in one night, by the way. And he said Stadium CMP was the greatest thing he's ever done in pro wrestling. Okay. Okay. On ECW TV. I mean, you know, you got to put your current company over, I guess. Yeah, he goes a little hard with that. He also said that Matt Hardy was not hurt at all yeah. at, uh, at All Out. So, moving on. On ECW TV this week, speaking of getting hurt... Paul Heyman announced that Todd Gordon is no longer the on-air commissioner of the company due to being too busy with his family life and outside business. How dare he? Jerk. Uh, word what a piece is of crap. That, right? Going home to your wife and kids? Screw you. Uh, he, we got, he got a wrestling a, show to run. Yeah. Uh, capital R. He said he's probably the exact opposite of wrestling, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, word is that Heyman and Gordon have both agreed to not badmouth each other publicly. So only privately. Oh, man, what a couple of good guys. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, speaking of good guys going to ECW here, PJ Walker, better known as Aldo Montoya in the WWF, is doing a new gimmick in ECW. He has his head shaved like Steve Austin and is using the name Just Incredible. That'll never work. He'll never get over. Nobody will ever care about this guy. <laughs> well, oh, man, I miss the Portuguese Man of War now. Oh, yeah. yeah that's said no one ever. ECW is still sending WCW and Raven threatening legal letters about filing a lawsuit against them and against Raven personally, but as of yet, no suit has been filed. For those of you that don't know, we talked about it in the archives. ECW claimed to own rights to the names Stevie Richards and Raven, and when they went to WCW, Stevie Richards says, I was using this gimmick before I ever went to your, or this name, before I ever went to ECW, so F you. And then Raven said, I came up with it all on my own with no help from ECW. I just happened to be seen in ECW first as this character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just yeah. find it funny that they were fighting for that. What were we going to do, throw on somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, well, you got you got to change your gimmick and your look and everything there. Go back to Scotty Flamingo. <laughs> and then they also claimed, well, we have them under contract, so you can't use them on pay-per-view. And WCW called their bluff and said, all right, Paul, send over the contracts and, and we'll uh, take a look at them. Uh, well, they're in a filing cabinet. I'll get them to you here here uh, before long. Well, he never got them to him, so they just threw them on TV. You know what? You know what, dude? I what? think he might have been, been lying. No. You you take that back. You don't disparage <laughs> the good goddamn name of Paul E. Heyman, a.k.a. <laughs> what, what is it? Wobbling Walrus? <laughs> You do not disparage the good name of the Paulrus, okay? Wow. I will have you know, sir. You wow. can take my word to the bank. Wow. What? <laughs> That's just really good, but <laughs> I had to, I had to get in a I had to get in a, a Paul I've never got a Paul E on this show, so I had to get at least one. Uh, I got a Paul E once, but I was really drunk. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Uh, <laughs> 
moving on quickly. Oh, here's a here's a fun one. You'll have a lot of fun with. You remember Buddy Landell, the uh, other yes. nature boy? Yeah. Well, he's telling people that he's going to WCW soon to be the quote NWO nature boy. Oh man, <laughs> they have NWO Sting. So I mean, they did, but look at what, Farmer. I can't think of it. Jeff Farmer. Look at him. Look at Buddy Landell. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, is there really like what is he? Nope. Got? No competition, no. Landell looks ten times better, but yeah, if yeah, Landell comes in, he, he's like, "Yeah, I'm the NWO nature boy. I've been sitting around drinking all day. What's up? <laughs> I drink just as much as Ric Flair and look ten times crappier." He's not from New York. I don't know why I'm doing that accent, but gosh, Buddy Landell was just—I don't think I don't, he ever went anywhere. Actually, how dare you, sir? He went to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I. I hold on my previous statement. <laughs> he also was in he he was on some WWF show in '95. I can't remember which. Yeah, one. he was on Raw a couple times. Yeah, and he had he came out to Ric Flair's theme, but it was like the one off a of Super Nintendo. Yeah, it was like they 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 were like crap. Wait, no, I think they came out. He just came out to Ric Flair's WWE theme, right? The horrible remake. Uh, he might have. I don't know. At one point when I heard it, I was like, yeah, it sounds like the one they, they like when you listen to it on Super Nintendo, this is what it sounds like. It was just really bad. I remember watching. I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Who's this guy pretending to be Ric Flair? <sighs> I mean, if I didn't know any better, I would just say it was them taking a shot at him. But it I mean, in a way, it probably was. But rookie Bill Goldberg debuted on Nitro the night after Fall Brawl, and he beat Hugh Morris. Uncle Dave says that Goldberg looks, quote, very much like Warlord, slightly gassed down, not like this guy, doesn't look gassed up, and says that he's a former Atlanta Falcons football player. Where would he go? I mean, uh, Did he do anything? Uh, straight in the toilet. Greenberg. One of my uh, favorite memories ever is us being at the Hall of Fame when he went in. Yeah. That was, uh, I know a lot of people gave that Hall of Fame a lot of crap because of Hillbilly Jim and everything, but. And Kid just, Rock. Yeah. But seeing him go in, like in person. Just like a highlight for me. Yeah, it was good stuff. And I it was great. We got to see him do like sort of got to see him do his entrance at uh on WrestleMania. So that was that was pretty cool. Got the got the music and the, the Tron and the Pyro, so and we got to see AJ Styles freak the F out every time he mentioned the Bulldogs or the Falcons. <laughs> I like it was in full mark mode that night because when Kid Rock made his line about uh, body slamming Democrats, man, he went nuts. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't remember that part. I, I wasn't looking at AJ. <laughs> wow. Well, they showed it on the on the on the screen, like like oh. the cameraman clearly knew. Hey, film AJ for this. <laughs> Great, that's oh, awesome. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that part. I remember marking out for Goldberg real hard, and uh, he doesn't I, hide his political affiliation or his football team love at all so whatever. no i remember that that uh class though for some reason like halfway through the show most people left like the not the audience but like the wrestlers you notice that yeah well i think hillbilly took him out of it <laughs> to this day yeah. on the podcast the major brothers like laugh at it and and like ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like well you know I, he's like rumor has it i think hillbilly's still delivering a speech right now <laughs> <laughs> wow and curtis axel still has not been eliminated from the royal rumble He's not. That's your story. So, yeah. Uh, but here's <laughs> the, the the thing I remember is like Goldberg like took a shot at Roman Reigns and is like looking around and Roman had already left for the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I'm he, headline like, tomorrow. I got to go. 
Yeah, he's like, look, I'm getting my ass kicked by Brock Lesnar tomorrow. All right, I, I got to get my ass out of here. <laughs> Too soon? Yeah, I'm still ticked. Don't <laughs> worry, I got, I got it back a few months later. It's okay, we're good. Uh, <laughs> we're taking it back. Well, Kevin Nash, tore, Kevin Nash tore some ligaments in his knee the last week and missed Nitro the night after fall brawl. Initial pro, uh, initial prog- prognosis, can't talk today, is that he needs surgery and will be out for about three months, but there's pressure on him to just get the knee scoped so that he can come back quicker. Do you remember Nash taking time off during this time? I remember vividly every week, like him or Hall or even Hogan. Someone was missing or a combination of them. So yes. I think Ho- Hogan, for obvious reasons, he was not on this pay-per-view, by the way, which is like, didn't I have a. Yet. I have a note about that, by the way. Uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't hit me at first, but now looking back at it, it's like glaringly like, hey, neither Hogan nor Bischoff is here. Yeah. Like, he didn't even do a pre-tape. Nash was the only original member there. Mm, wasn't, no, Hall was, Hall was there. I don't think he was there. Was he there? Hall, oh, he was Hall in the tag match. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> my note is like, he should be in the war games. Why the hell is uh, Conan and Buff in this? But yeah. Yeah, we will. Sorry, my head's all over the map right now with everything we're talking about. Um, right, yeah. I, I just I was going to point this out during the review, but since you brought it up, I'll say it now. Do you like Hogan was champion basically all year? Uh-huh. Luke had it for a couple of days. Do you realize yeah. there's only four world title matches on WWE pay per view in 1997? Four. Wow, really? Out of twelve? Seriously? Yes. Wow. I there was sold that. out. There was Super Brawl, which I was at. Um, <clears throat> there was the Road Wild match, and then uh, we lost <laughs> the Sting at 97. <laughs> so oh, there are only yeah, four world title yeah. matches all year. Wow, that's that's nuts. I think well, he was only at a handful of pay per views. I love the fact that's the that... thing. Yeah, he missed uh, from Spring Stampede. He missed uh, Slamboree, Great American Bash, Fall Brawl, World War Three. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Clearly, he was. I mean, we know why. Bischoff said it. God, ad nauseum a million times. You know, Hogan's contract only had X number of dates. Yeah, I mean, so why original, wouldn't you? He's the original Brock Lesnar, when you think about it. The world champion never defended, you know. Yeah, he is. I mean, and and I get it, you know, because my thought was like, well, if he only has a certain number of dates, make sure he's locked down for the effing pay-per-view. But Bischoff has made it clear they were a TV company trying to get ratings, not pay-per-view buys. However, because he knew pay-per-view was going to make money with or without Hogan. So, I mean, I get it. I I mean, his logic makes sense. I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah. Either way, Jeff Jarrett's WCW contract expires next month. No word on if he will re-sign his contract. He, he will not. not. <laughs> no. <laughs> he would soon be in the WWF after you know, about a year. And he'll be telling people not to piss him off. He'll be the uh, NWA North American champion, too. Yeah. Woohoo. That's a, yeah, he'll be that... the NWA world champion in four years. Yeah. That. Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, his... Uh, I don't That's know. Cody Rhodes' inspiration, man. Just... Yeah. This, I mean, I will say this era of Jarrett is probably one of the most memorable. I mean, people will argue his lip syncing in WWF was, you know, what he's known for, blah, blah, blah. I, I get that. But this, a lot of people that grew up in the 90s watching wrestling remembers this era of Jarrett in WCW. I mean, I don't know about you. No, my most memorable era is uh, when he came back with the whole Russo era. I'm not saying that was good. I'm saying that's my most memorable one. <laughs> yeah, I think this one was pretty good he- here. And uh, I I personally, as a kid, I remember his short hair, don't piss me off, you know, all that stuff. But either way, unfortunately, it, well, fortunately for me, I don't really 
I try not to remember too much of his feuding with China and all that good housekeeping match crap. Last story I got here. Hulk Hogan's WCW contract expires at the end of the year, and he's sending out feelers to the WWF to gauge interest. The belief is that Hogan has no intention of actually going back to the WWF and is only using them as leverage to get a better deal from WCW. That's For Bruce Pritchard, that was actually legit, right? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, talk to Pritchard and Bischoff. Both of them say the same thing, because Bischoff said, I had zero fear of losing him. None whatsoever. <laughs> and where at the same time, Bischoff said, like, at first, Vince was like, well, we might be getting Terry back. And then he, after a while, he's like, yeah, we're not getting him back. He's just using us for leverage. And he said Vince actually talked to him and said, Terry, if I can sit with you and help you get a better deal from Turner, then I'll meet with you. But I don't know if we have a spot for you. Which uh, early ninety nine that was Rock Mankind Austin, Triple no, it was H. early ninety eight. Oh, early ninety eight. I'm a year ahead. Okay, yeah. so that was Austin's coming out. Yeah, Austin coming out. Uh, the Rock was about to take <laughs> off here in a few months. Yeah, so all that, and I mean Triple H was getting hot in the mid card, upper mid card, whatever. Shawn Michaels was about to, you know, see, you know, say see goodbye. I think they were thinking at one point if they could get Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan back. They were thinking of it's like, okay, well, we're down Shawn Michaels. We can get Hulk Hogan and, you know, kind of fill out the top of the card that way. Lord, but, they would have Hogan, Austin, Triple H, Rock, Undertaker all at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah. WCW would have been long before it was. I'm talking about top heavy. I know, right? Well, that was, I think uh, Pritchard said something about that. He was like, we just had, like, if possible, we had too many top stars <laughs> at one time. Yeah. Mankind. I mean, damn. It wasn't supposed to be anything. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of the news and notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives so you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Now, back to our program. Why don't we move right into the event at hand here. It's WCW Fall Brawl 1997. The tagline was the rage in the cage. Wow, that's... That's clever, man. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Wait, wait, wasn't there a, wasn't there another show for another company called that recently before this? Was it, uh, inside, inside of your, inside of your home region (laughs) in the cage, something, I don't know. I, either way, (laughs) uh, but it's, uh, it was outside of your apartment, I believe. (laughs) Ah, that, that sounds more like it. I believe it happened in a golden corral parking lot too. When Heidenreich was on the card and Alabama doink. (laughs) <laughs> well, I hope Dink and Blake I don't like that we both card. seen that. We've all understood that. <laughs> God, right. Oh, <sighs> but the date was September 14th, 1997. The venue was Lawrence Joel Veteran Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Like My mouthful. gosh. Right. Did you get winded saying that? A little bit. I need to take a breather. The attendance was 11,939 for a sellout. And the buy rate was one hundred forty-eight thousand, not terrible. And this How was 
148,000. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. I am just going to say this right off the bat. I love this pay-per-view. So. Yeah, I thought this was really good stuff. Uh, I mean, top to bottom, I'm not going to say it was great, and we'll get into all that. But I'd say there was much more good to great than there was bad. I don't know if there was anything glaringly bad about this show. I was going to say that. I, I mean, there's not one moment in this pay-per-view. I'm like, oh, God, I'm falling asleep. Right. That's not to say we didn't see some bad matches, but. Yeah, we'll definitely get into all this. This is obviously Horseman Country, old JCP, Jim Crocker promotion, stomping around. I do that, by the way. Yep. Well, you, you got to, Greg. But to open the show, we get a recap of Arn Anderson stepping down from the Four Horsemen and giving his spot to Kurt Hennig, and then the NWO doing their parody of it. We also see Ric Flair saying that he wants the NWO in war games, and Roddy Piper books it, because Roddy Piper's, what, the uh, the president of WCW? He, or no? he, right now, he's the chairman. Chairman of... He would be the president later. He would be the commissioner before this, or after this. Yeah, yeah like every freaking uh, authoritative title... No one to man in pro wrestling. Nice. The only thing he never was was the owner of WCW. I believe that's the only thing he never got. Yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong on that, too. But the announcers then talk for like five freaking minutes before we actually get to the damn show. Did you notice that? I did, yeah. And they just went on and on. One of my but, first notes, too, was, man, this the uh, opener was pretty well done. I mean, the graphics and stuff. Like, it was cool. yeah. it got you kind of ready for it. I dug the opening package of the the opening package of the show that's a good package pal this was this was really also, well done at the time i want to point out a fun fact about this the two main matches for this card were made on the nitro before this wow see it was supposed yes. to be it was supposed to be uh luger and page and two other people i don't even think they named the two other people against mm-hmm. the nwo but then piper's like well they don't have their head straight so i'm pulling them out and the horsemen are in and then it ended up being uh the tag match that we'll get to in a little bit but that was all made on Nitro, so I don't know if that was uh, like supposed to be like that, or they're just like, oh, man, this is going to suck, or what. Well, you said it was it was Piper's team against the NWO? No, no, no. It was supposed to be Luger and Paige, and at the at that point, if I remember correctly, there were not the other two other guys yet. Like They were going to name them that Monday, but uh. they never did. Piper comes out and says he's the chairman, and because Luger and uh, Paige were, they had that moment on the last ever Clash, I believe, where he actually uh. used the diamond cutter on Luger, and they're fighting. And they're arguing, but they can't get along. But clearly, they do in this match. So I don't know. It was all over the place. Yeah. All I can say is uh, to wrap it up, though, the two main matches on this card were made on the Nitro before this. So six days prior. So there you go. Huh. Okay, then. Well, uh, you think WWE goes with no build sometimes? Holy crap. They got crap. Well, the opening match was really, really good. It was Chris Jericho defending the WCW Cruiserweight Championship against Eddie Guerrero. In 17 minutes, 19 seconds, Eddie is the heel. Jericho is the face. Heel. Eddie comes out to some generic rock theme and his Chiron's. I actually said in my notes, it's funny that he still has his face music. That's his face. Yeah. Music. Um, and it was yeah. just some generic rock music. Nothing, nothing spectacular. Nothing to set him aside. Nah, that's it. I believe he gets his LWO music the night after. Ah, nice. Yeah. And by the way, his Chiron came up and said, Harlem Heat. <laughs> So, I look. I look at Eddie Guerrero. First thing I think it was 110th Street in Harlem. Well, yeah, man. I I don't even know where to go from that. But I still find it funny to see this era of Chris Jericho come out to a dubbed break the break down the walls on the WWE. That's actually that's actually the debut one of that too. It's a different version if you listen closely. <laughs> nice. Uh, I believe uh, I believe this match started kind of slow with tons of rest holds, but it picked way up. 
as the match went on. I mean, they had 17, almost 18 minutes to burn. Eddie wins after reversing an ugly-looking superplex in, and then hits a frog splash, and he gets the pin. Uncle Dave gave it three and three-four stars. I gave it three and a half stars. What say you? I gave it three. I thought it was really good. The Cruiserweights were more than was, just flippy. I did definitely think it was not their best match, but it was really good. Yeah, and it, and it proved the, the you know the Cruiserweights were more than just flippy crap. Yeah. So that's 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 always good because Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero obviously were cruiserweights and they could flip around and jump around or whatever but that's not all they did clearly you know they did they did a lot of stuff uh you know rest hold, like I said the rest holds they did technical wrestling Matt you know good stuff but after good this stuff, we, pal. after this we get to see Jeff Jarrett getting interviewed by some nerd with an ancient laptop for wcwwrestling.com <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this laptop was huge. I say that with a laptop that weighs like five pounds sitting in my lap right now. <laughs> Up next, we get Harlem Heat with Miss Jacqueline taking on the Steiner brothers, uh, Rick and Scott, with Ted DiBiase in their corner. This match goes for 11 minutes, 44 seconds. Harlem Heat, uh, are, I couldn't figure out, are they babyface or heel? They're heel, they were right? all over. The, yeah, but they were all over the map this time. They just yeah. wrestled everybody. Well, this was shortly after Sherry Martell got the boot and they were like, well, who do we put with the Harlem Heat? Because clearly they can't be, you know, just by themselves. Oh, we'll get Jacqueline in there, which uh, I don't know. It was it was what it was. But the stupid director decided to focus on the fans for like 10 minutes during the Heat's entrance, thus missing the fire pyro. Did you catch that? Yes. I'm like, who cares that the fans are doing raise the roof in the front row? Who gives a crap? Booker T is wearing a Yankees cap. I made note of that because I've never seen him do that before. I don't know if that was a thing during this era. I just assume he was a fan of the Astros. (laughs) Yeah, well, now we know it's like that probably pained him because he was like, I guess DiBiase is a baby face now, not in the NWO. Yeah, he jumped to help the he jumped to the Steiners on the 100 Nitro and Luger won the title. Nice. Well, you could also tell he was no longer a heel because he's no longer dying his hair black. Didn't you notice that? His hair I didn't notice that, but I didn't realize that was a thing either. <laughs> but. Yeah, well, because when he was in the NWO, his hair was always black. Because I remember the first time I saw him. I'm well, like, that I know because what? people made a huge deal about that because they used that hair for DiBiase's model in the game. But I didn't uh, realize it here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I was looking at his hair here. I'm like, this looks more like. Not quite as blonde, but it's going more blonde, like Million Dollar Man, DiBiase. So, but what was he? He wasn't the Million Dollar Man. What was he like? Billionaire Ted or Millionaire Ted? Trillionaire Ted, but Trillionaire Ted. That was already gone by now, too. Good grief! (sighs) They make sure to let us know that Larry Zabisco is on commentary. Let us know he sold out Shea Stadium with Bruno. (laughs) Hey, you guys! Did you know that in Civil War, my dad fought for the South? I I fought Bruno in Shea Stadium. Wow. What? I had to throw in some Larryisms. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out who the hell is speaking right now. <laughs> a drunk Larry Zabisco, which might be an oxymoron. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't think he had a drinking problem. Just to me, he sounded drunk quite a bit. It just he was just a goofy dude. Scotty was freakishly big at this point. Uh, could still go, but was slowing down and getting awkward. I think. That being said, he still worked the majority of this match. Jacqueline is up. He's, uh, he's getting ready to turn too. So, yeah, this was shortly before because I was trying to figure out. I'm like, when does he turn on Rick? 
Like I, yeah, I was Fall pretty Brawl sure. Ninety eight. I remember oh, because really? I was there. Not did Fall. You, sorry, Super Super Brawl. Super Brawl. Did you get all pissy and I did garbage? That was twice. That was twice. I went to Super Brawl in a row where someone turned joined the NWL. The only one would be in the Macho Man the year prior, or this year ninety seven. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it's, screw you guys. Right. <laughs> Looking back at it, uh, Eric Bischoff said he kind of regrets putting Macho in the NWO because he said he kind of got lost in a shuffle. Yeah, so. I mean, same thing could be said for Scott Steiner, though, too. So. I I would say that, but I think his heel turn w- went pretty well. Yeah, he got lost in the shuffle for a little bit, but, I mean, he kind of recreated himself completely, whereas Macho Man, eh, he was just Macho Man in the NWO. So I don't know. Either way, Jacqueline is obviously fantastic, but her with the Harlem Heat just made me miss Sherry Martell. I don't know about you. I honestly just, I was indifferent. I didn't think they ever yeah. needed a manager, so. No. I, I liked Sister Sherry with them, but this was just the. The ending looks awkward and in slow motion. The Steiners win with a German suplex clothesline combo to Stevie F and Ray. Uncle Dave gave it two and one four stars. I gave it two. What say you? I. I honestly gave it like one. I was so overseeing this match at this point. I'd seen it like 47,000 times between this yeah. and Nitro. It's like, dude, and, and nothing stood out. And this was probably the most boring match of the night for me. Yeah, it wasn't very good uh, at all, in my opinion. I just, yeah, like I said, it's just, it happened so much. And I just, yeah. Yeah. I think that um, uh, it's funny, though, that two of these, like half these guys would be in the Hall of Fame at some point, And one of them will be in the NWO the next year. That's just a little right. fun fact I wanted to add to that. Something new I'm believe, trying, by the way. Uh, I can't believe the Steiners aren't in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't think Scott wants to be called it a fake Hall of Fame. So, Jeez. And Rick is off making money in real estate. So, What's up with the former wrestlers being real estate agents, by the way? I guess it's just easy and low-key. That's my That was my guess. Yeah. Also, yeah. I forgot to add the, the cool fact for the last match, too. Uh, okay. I don't know if this is a cool fact, actually. From June 97 to January 98, the Cruiserweight title changed hands every single month. Wow. There were two times it changed in January of 98, 10 different champions. Just want to point that out because it just shows that as much as they brag about that title, they didn't care about that title. Or everyone got a shot with it, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Oh, you get the Cruiserweight title. You get the Cruiserweight title. And you get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah, so. (sighs) Well... Uh, something else that's, uh, not, wasn't my favorite on the night. That's for sure. wasn't my least favorite, but not my favorite. Alex Wright defended the world television championship against Ultimo Dragon in 18 minutes, 43 seconds. Jim Barnett and some weird ass fans in the front row. Sure. Love them. Some Alex Wright. That was my first note. My good Lord. They just focused on the fans dancing. (laughs) That was like the highlight of the match for me. Some people need to look up who, if you don't know who Jim Barnett is, you definitely need to look him up. Apparently he really loved, he loved Alex Wright. Oh my boy. Wow. Those trunks are just so tight and masculine. (laughs) Either way. I also got to point out too, that as tight as they were, I don't know if it was intended, but man, it showed off his junk a lot. dude. Uh, Tony Schiavone loves pointing that out. He's like, damn Alex, like just put that thing away. (laughs) It's like, you got to do something with that hog. Damn. Conrad's always like, are you done staring at his hog? He's like, no, it's just like right there. You can't miss it. He's so German and big. 
vascular where it counts. At this point, by the way, just at this point in this year, talking about him like that could be kind of like a pedophile. Really, only like twenty years old or something. Uh, I don't know. He was he was old enough. <laughs> but who told Alex Wright, by the way, to do nothing but sleeper holds in this damn match? I was bored. And and Alex Wright could go. Ultimo Dragon could clearly go. What Ultimo Dragon thought Chris Jericho was Mount Rushmore wrestling. You know that? Oh well, I, he's on the. He's on the Mount Rushmore for the GOAT. <laughs> <laughs> not that he's not great, but like of all the wrestlers in the world. I mean, hey, Ultimo is really good, but I, I don't know. This that's just, clearly what I just said. I'm just saying he's not. Yeah, Rushmore I know. Material. Uh, it picks up a tiny bit later on, but this goes on way too long, in my opinion. That was it, one of my notes, too. Good Lord, this match was forever. I, I was I was literally begging for it to end. When it was, Whenever there was a near fall, I literally punched the bed. I was like, come on. Uh, but the Dick Dancer wins with a bridging German suplex. So the there you Dick go. Dick Dancer. That's <laughs> what he is. Uncle Dave gave this three and a half stars. I gave it two and a half. What say you? I, <laughs> I gave it two, but only because I love Ultima Dragon. There's a fun couple of fun moments. Um, yeah. Also, something I wanted to point out, too, uh, between the Cruiserweight match and this match, did you notice that WCW's way of telling you someone's heel now is saying they had an attitude change? Uh, I didn't pick up on that. Tony Schiavone said it for Eddie Guerrero and for Alex Wright. Oh, this attitude change. That's their way of telling you they're heel. (laughs) Good grief. Yeah, I don't know. I I did laugh at one part where they did the spot where Ultimo Dragon jumps off the top rope and gets drop kicked out of midair by by, uh, Alex Wright. His dong, yes. (laughs) Wow. Alex Wright is a tall man. He's like, I don't know, 6'4", 6'5", something like that. Ultimo Dragon is fairly small. You cannot tell me the highest he could get up was to kick him in the gut. Yeah. Like, seriously? Yeah. Like, that timing was all wrong. Well, he was planning his next dance move. Got to get up there and dance for the crowd. They want to see the German dance, yeah. That sounds like Dr. Nick. Hi, everybody. Hi, Alex Wright. <laughs> no? <laughs> No. All, All right. right. <laughs> Moving on. Fun fact about this. Alex Wright wouldn't hold oh, yeah. the title again until 2000 with Disco Inferno. Oh, gosh. I just think it's funny, though. Is. He would last for three years and never have a Cruiserweight title run again. Well, he, hey, at least he retained his TV title here. When did he lose that damn thing? I want to say the next night or the day after or the week after. Yeah. That's fantastic. I always laugh I, as a TV champ defending on pay-per-view, by the way. <laughs> Well, they clearly point out, by the way, if you watch the, uh, if you listen to them talking about Alex Wright during the opening, because this has become like a workhorse title. It's on the line every night. <laughs> well, you know who was actually, according to Tony Schiavone, you know who was a, and I think Eric Bischoff as well, who was a big fan of Alex Wright and a big supporter of his, Rick Effing Flair. He loved well, Alex Wright. He probably saw himself in him, like as far as like <laughs> the baby's sh- arm, the yes. chauvinistic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, before we move on, I think Alex Wright when he won the tag titles in two thousand. He only won it because they were in Germany. I just I stand by that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, we go backstage for Mean Gene Okerlund to plug his hotline. When the NWO team runs past him and into a locker room, Gene blows him off, and then they run by him again in the opposite direction, laughing. Gene checks the locker room that they came out of and sees a, quote, beaten up Kurt Hennig laying on the floor. Gene calls for help. Oh, no, Kurt Hennig is in trouble. What are we going to do with War Game? That'll be a recurring theme throughout the night. They beat the hell out of that. Yeah. I, what are they going to do? Is he going to make first, it? My first note was like, good Lord, you guys think that he's like a skinny little wink link and can't take a beating and now he's out of the match? When did they ever, when did he ever say that? Like, why was know. it established in this show? Oh, they beat him up backstage. He's out of the match. 
Well, I they mean, probably figure he's, you know, he's he's too hurt, whatever he's laying. He can't even stand up. And then Ric Flair was talking about, oh, I don't know. He, he's going to try to make it, but I don't know. So they were setting it up. But And then this is the other one that it's like the guy who was trying to get into the horseman is in a match here. It's like he couldn't pull double duty. I don't know. It was Double J, Jeff Jarrett with Queen Deborah versus Dean Malenko. This went just shy of 15 minutes because when I think Jeff Jarrett, I think 15 minutes. The uh, the battle of second generation wrestlers. She by said, the way, uh, sorry. Wow, I didn't I didn't think about it until halfway through this match. This is a battle of second generation wrestlers. Wow, yeah, Dean, I'm not even realizing that until now, actually. <laughs> yeah, because Dean was the son of uh, Professor Boris Malenko. Jeff Jarrett is the son of well, you know, Jerry Jarrett, huh? <laughs> uh, but as, as Malenko's making his entrance, I don't know if you notice this. They're showing highlights of the build between these two on the Turnertron behind him. I did not notice that. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, is that just his his Tron where they're showing him and Jarrett going at it? And I'm like, no, this is the whole video. They're showing the build-up package behind him as he walks out. It's weird. But I love how Jarrett was doing the whole wife-stealer gimmick over a decade before he actually did it in real life. Yeah. I got a, <laughs> I got a note on that. I'll just say, it's like, here's the thing. She was just with him. There was never established a reason just because she was pissed at Mongo. Yeah. The whole thing never made sense. Like well, ever. they were building it up on commentary, like, oh, he's trying to steal Mongo's wife. But he wasn't. I mean, he was, but he wasn't. He never said that. She aligned with him. Yeah. So, and she was like an advocate <sighs> to get him in the horseman. Because when I think yeah. of someone recruiting for the horseman, I think of Deborah McMichael. <laughs> and then she went with him to the WWF. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. And then they, they actually never hooked up in real life, as far as I know. This was just like, they were good pals. He says he's still friends with her to this day. Yeah, I hear that was like, that's one of the reasons him and Steve Austin don't get along. Uh, other than Austin blames the Jarrett family for him getting terrible payoffs in Memphis. But I don't know. That's real, by the way. Why can't he let that go? He did really fine. I mean, all that happened for a reason, I believe. Yeah. He's actually Jarrett... toasted Bischoff for firing him. It's like, thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. best thing that ever happened to him, man. Uh, Jared starts a match by sending Deborah to the back, saying that he doesn't need distractions. So you know what that means. She's going to come back. Uh, this was okay. Honestly, mission. does she go to the back? Because I remember that she happening. Did. Okay, I remember that happening. All of a sudden, she's at ringside. I'm like, did I miss her coming back? Yeah, no, I, I made note of this. It's just, <sighs> but this was another match that I did not even get into or care about until about halfway through the damn thing. This was like a, a theme for me through this night. There were quite a few matches I felt that way about. But Don't get Deborah, ahead of me because it's coming up next, but sorry. Go ahead. But Deborah comes back to the ring randomly, does absolutely nothing, does not play into the finish whatsoever. Jarrett makes Malenko tap out after he chop blocks him and follows it up with a figure four. Uncle Dave gave this three and one fourth stars. I gave it two and a half stars. What say you? I, I actually kind of enjoyed the match. I thought it was yeah. really good. I said three. It was... Fine. I mean, it wasn't bad, it was, and no. Malenko being in a match has always got my attention. Yeah, Demolenko's uh, great. As much crap as I give Jeff Jarrett, this match was pretty good, and I don't say that about a lot of Jeff Jarrett matches, but this was pretty good. Oh, <laughs> well, when you're there with Demolenko, it can only be pretty good or higher. Yeah. Right. I would, I would hope. Yeah. Well, unless you're Billy Kidman in a catches catch can match. But, and... <laughs> can we cover that? <laughs> no, we haven't. Thank God. Oh man. Um wanted to point out for this match, too. Here's a fact. It was for the number one contendership for the U.S. title. Uh-huh. And Mongo was the champion. So clearly, you see what they were setting up. 
Yeah. Now, I feel like this feud sucked so hard. I know, shocker, because it was you know, fire written all over it. I feel like it sucked <laughs> so hard, they decided to change course, so Henning wins the title the next night. Jared, oh, my God. Jared would get his actual shot eight days later after this. He would, of course, lose. Then he would have the big blow-off match with Mongo, what, 22 days after this? And yeah, because when, when, him... when, I, when I think of big blow-off, I think of <laughs> Mongo and Jared. Well, here's the thing. Like, it was a thing with his because Deborah's involved. But, like, he cheats to win, and that's, like, Jared, he puts his feet on the ropes, and literally that's it. Like, they just kill it. Not that I'm against them killing it, but it just, <sighs> that was it. Like, they knew this sucks, and it just kill it. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. yeah. I just, I found it funny though. Like they were building up for the U.S. title and Deborah was involved and like, forget it. Yeah. Let's, let's not continue with this garbage, please, for the love of all things holy. <laughs> That's our Mongo. That's right, so or, Mongo. <laughs> or as, uh, as uh, Conrad Thompson refers to uh, Jeff Jarrett as the human fast forward button. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> Most of his matches were boring, and I, I never just, cared about him. I think a human fast-forward match is something that just, like, horrible, like Tank Abbott or the Great Khali. At least Jerry can wrestle. Well, he's talking about boring. He's not talking about bad, so. I don't know. He had some good stuff in TNA. I feel like in TNA, he really, is where he really hit his stride. We get a black-and-white NWO promo with Kevin Nash, Six, Buff Bagwell, and Conan, who are the <laughs> War Games team. Sorry. I like my, how me saying that makes you laugh. My only note here was, holy crap, Conan was like 1,000% Chicano in this promo. <laughs> yeah, I said, I've never seen Conan overact this bad in my entire life. He's trying really, really hard to be a cholo. It came off super unnatural. I I actually rewound it and had to watch it again because it was so hilarious. Yeah, they're all talking normal, and then Conan's got this like weird, like he's wrinkling up his face. He's like, yo, man, via la rasta. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's not you, dude. I don't even think he... I mean, he does, He has an accent, but he doesn't, like, you know? Yeah, well, he I mean, does, he has, but he doesn't. He has an accent, and he, but it's not, like, super thick. Right. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's not cartoonish like this. <laughs> it's like, okay, we get it, dude. You're Chicano. I mean, not even my drunk father got that bad. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, the thing, and the thing is, I don't... I remember being a Conan fan, not necessarily his matches, but his promos during this era i think i watched more of him in 98 he had to have loosened up by then because i don't remember him over oh yeah when he went to the wolfpack maybe even after this before wolfpack but yeah he definitely loosened up yeah because right here he's just like yo vato don't you know doom for life he also stopped wearing the the (laughs) plaid jacket that buttoned up the top and the hat he got Uh, that he he did that for a while, I remember, because that was he was the first dude I ever saw do that. Cause... Well, he did it in the Dungeon of Doom, which made no sense. <laughs> well, they were an eclectic group, Greg. <laughs> Either way, uh, eclectic's the right word. They end this promo by saying that they want to end the Horsemen in War Games and saying it would be an honor, like making fun of the Kurt Hennig thing. Oh yeah, that was a running gag spot. for quite a while. Yeah, the Macho Man got in on it in nineteen early nineteen ninety eight. They, they carried that. They carry that it'd be an honor thing for a while. Wow. But that, that promo you're talking about was six of uh, that court, uh, Coney or God, Cornette. I'll get it right. One of these days that pro, uh, that uh, promo from raw that Cornette cut, or it was on bite this. And then I guess he recreated it for raw or whatever. Well, you got a crap promo on bite this. And then they started doing it weekly on raw. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the one he went off. It was during this era. He went off on them for this. 
because he said yeah. none of them will be half the wrestler that Arn Anderson was. They couldn't launder his jock strap and blah, 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 all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Was, yeah, this was that was horrible. I still can't believe to this day they did that. I mean, I can believe it, but I can't. I don't know if I should feel ashamed for this, but I laugh every time I watch it. Every time. I don't laugh at the premise, but I laugh at like the horrible acting. And I can't help but laugh at Conan just sitting in the back doing nothing but twirling a football in the air like Mongo. <laughs> I don't know why that one gets me so much. Uh, I laugh at Nash where he's like, well, a fat chick, that's right, a fat chick came up and smacked me right on my back. <laughs> just everything he said just made me laugh. I don't. It was horrible. I'm not defending it, but I laughed so hard. And then six constantly like wetting his eyes up to make it look like he was crying, like Ric Flair. Yeah. And he's like, "I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, and I don't know why." And Ric Flair does that later in the show, not to spoil it. But anyway, up next, speaking of spoiling things, it's Wrath and Mortis with James Vanderbeek taking on the faces of fear. The Barbarian and Meng. It goes for 12 minutes, 12, uh, 22 seconds. Bobby Heenan says that the faces of fear are animals. Larry Zabisco says that they are, quote, as well-behaved as a gorilla well-shaved. What the F? I'm not touching that. <laughs> that is just like, Mm-mm. gosh. I, I swear I'm not racist. I sold out Shea Stadium with Bruno in the 80s. Oh. No? No. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. Oh. Van- Vandenberg tries to hit Mang on the apron, but Mang gets him in a Tongan death grip. Mortis tries to save his manager, but Mang locks a Tongan death grip on him as well. Wrath comes up behind him and breaks it up by hitting, I guess he calls it the death penalty, but it was like, yeah. um, it was basically a side effect. And Mang- and he hits it on Mang. It wasn't Mang like a rock bottom? No, because he kind of wraps him up almost like that. Yeah, I think that, he did uh, a different version a couple times because usually it was like wrapped up like that, but then he hit a rock bottom. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this one was almost like a combination, like either a rock bottom or a side effect, something to that effect. But either way, he hits the death penalty on Mang, and he pins him. Uncle Dave gave this one and one-fourth star. I gave it two stars, below average, but still kind of interesting. What say you? I thought I was punished with the death penalty having to watch this match. Holy crap. Uh, it was one star at best. Oh, man. Uh, I said the only interesting part to me was I felt like there were a couple of live rounds going off because there was some definite... Maybe. <laughs> it looked hard, man. Both of them looked like they were legit, like, beating each other. I, I like, feel like, knowing what we know, I feel like Canyon was probably, like, the softest one of this whole match. Yeah. I don't mean that because of his lifestyle either. I mean that because, like, these other three guys are huge brutes, and he's not well, that big of a man. <laughs> well, and he worked, whereas the other ones are like, I'm going to punch you as hard I, as I can. I think... Canyon was probably the best wrestler this whole match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I used to, uh, you might give me crap for this, but I used to like Brian Clark in his various iterations. I liked but, him as Wrath in 1998 because he was going through a baby face push and looked like they were going to do some of them. And then they just trailed off. Wasn't he undefeated for a while? Yeah. Yeah. He was, wasn't he doing like the, what they eventually did with Baron Corbin in NXT where he just kind of came out, wrestled for like a couple seconds, hit his finisher and left. A couple of times, but then he had some matches too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. This you could tell on the face of Wrath at the end of this, he was like, "My God, that was rough." Like he was breathing heavy and everything. I, that's why I said there was probably some live rounds because looked like he was gas. Like, good lord! Like they just beat the hell out of him. <laughs> well, the faces of fear were probably like, "You're gonna earn this one." <laughs> right. 
We have to try to these guys. I thought it was a fun fact. In five months, Mortis would be Canyon. Yeah. This whole, how, how you, whole thing would be dead, so. How do you feel about this? Because for me, I thought, like, because I was thinking about this during this match. They let you know, or he let you know. He's like, hey, I was Mortis, but now I'm taking off the mask, and now I'm Canyon. I personally feel they should have just, like, had him go away for a few months and come back as Canyon. Never mentioned uh, Mortis ever I, again. I, I see your point, but the way they did it, I was okay with it. I feel like it was because Raven kind of exposed them and made Canyon feel like, or excuse me, made Mortis feel like a little, like a, what's Punk. the word I'm looking for? Yeah. yeah. And then he unmasked, said, you know, I'm a man, not the stupid thing. So I think that, that made up for it. Yeah. Didn't he like bring the mask around with him sometimes? Mm-hmm. He would come out with it. He would come out with the, the like the organ part of, of uh, Mortis's theme. And then it would break into a rock song and he would be holding the mask. Yeah. Ah. So he kind of kept all the elements. What do you think of James Vanderberg here or Vandenberg? I mean, knowing what I know now, I think it was a perfect fit. Yeah. Isn't he like a legit Satanist? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, no, no judgment, I guess, but it, yeah, just whatever <laughs> this, uh, I don't know. I like, I've always like, I mean, I didn't watch him during this era of WCW might've been good for me to not see him during this era, but I remember him as, and I don't watch many ECW either. But I remember him as uh, you know James Mitchell, Father James Mitchell in TNA, and I thought he was great. But Eric Bischoff says he was useless, horrible manager, wasting money just to employ him. I'm like, what the f did he do to you, dude? Well, he walked in on him and Mrs. B. Uh, never mind, move on. <laughs> what the f? Uh, if, if it's gonna be anybody, it's not gonna be Vandenberg. <laughs> but anyway, uh, up next, man, we get me and Gene Oakland in a locker room again of the Four Horsemen. <laughs> He's yeah. with Ric Flair, Steve Mongo McMichael, and Chris Benoit. Uh, Benoit proves that he's never been good on the mic. I hope no one wrote that promo for him and actually put actual thought into those lines because that promo was was just corny and bad. Mongo, however, actually seemed intimidating, and he put over the fact that the NWO is locked inside of a cage with the horsemen tonight. And I was like, I, that's a damn good I promo. S- I swear, this is my note. For this whole thing, wow! This is Mongo's best promo ever. That was my <laughs> note, and it lasted literally like forty-five seconds. I didn't think it was that, man. I think it was more like ten seconds. I'm just—it was over yeah. quick, and I felt like, wow, okay. So well, what here, the hell? Where where is this at? Is this like a? This is literally a one-off. And then that damn bell had ring. <laughs> well, and, and you want to know a fun fact about this? Was he didn't mention the Bears at all? Yeah. Think about well, that. That's. That's and we're we're in week itself. two of the football season at this point, I believe. Yeah, well, I'm just I keep going back to when he was doing those promos, begging Arn Anderson to reform the Horsemen, begging him, and he's like going on instead of talking about how great the Horsemen are, how much he loves being a Horseman. He talked about the effing monsters in the Midway, the god dang Chicago effing Bears. And if I could, I would get Ditka to you know go and get me and Sweetness back, and we take the NFL. Yeah, and then he, they even had Mike Ditka giving an interview for Mongo. Like, who cares? Not look, I'm not putting down Mike Ditka at all. I, you know, I, I'm not a Bears fan, but he's great, legend, all that stuff. But when I'm watching Nitro, I don't give a damn what Mike Ditka has to say. What's wrong with you? It's, uh, like, I, I'm going to lose a lot of listeners for this, but I love Tom Brady. I love the New England Patriots when he was on the Patriots, and I still like the Patriots. But like, let's say two years ago. Brady was on Raw telling me why he loved John Cena for, you know, oh, he's a New England boy and I play for New England. So, yeah, it's like, shut up, Tom. I'm watching Raw. 
Gotta keep it alive. I guess. I don't know. Flair instantly starts screaming, kind of putting validation into what Six had said about him a couple weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he says he will never quit when his back is against the wall. He says that if Henning can't get fixed up, he'll for sure, or if he can get fixed up, he'll for sure walk the aisle tonight. Spoiler, he ends up saying that the NWO will, quote, pay the price for life. And then he woos and all that good stuff. So uh, speaking of paying the price up next, we got Scott Flash Norton versus the Giant. This went for about five and a half minutes. You know what? <laughs> when I saw Harlem Heat and Scott and the Steiners were the worst match of the night, I forgot about this match. I'm going to retract that. <laughs> <laughs> You know it's no that it's nobody that we should give a damn about when the B team NWO theme plays for Scott. <laughs> I feel like this theme, by the way, was made for him and Buff. I really yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, because it's like they're like, okay, on to the next match, and you hear bow, 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 and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, fast forward. Uh, but the giant, however, just came out to no music whatsoever. Didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, that was his thing back then. He never had music. He well, he did have a theme at one point. He had a theme in the Dungeon of Doom. Well, that was the Dungeon of Doom theme, though. And, well, later on, like before, like years later, he ended up getting a single theme, but I can't remember what. It, no, he's never had a theme. I think you're misremembering something. I look it up on YouTube. I, he's literally I, never had. A, oh, I don't think that's accurate. That people just throw a theme out there. Like people will swear Andre Giant's theme in the 2K games he came out to. No, oh, Giant well, had a thing. No. He never came out to a theme because it was supposed to be like Andre. Huh. Well. Either way, the crowd absolutely blows for him. This is when I started realizing that uh, the crowd is just super hot for this show, and they're going to cheer every baby face like a god. So, I mean, which is not a bad thing. I'm not putting that down. But Shivani says that the nickname Flash comes from Norton's ability to beat someone, quote, in a flash in arm wrestling. Uh, I am today years old when I found that out, because I always thought it was a take on Flash Gordon. Like, Flash Gordon, Flash uh... Gordon. He was actually in that uh, movie Over the Top with Stallone. It was all about arm wrestling. I mean, he's not credited. Yeah. You could see him in there, though. He's a legit arm about, wrestling champ. Yeah. We talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago in the archives, by the way. Um, so Go check yeah, it out. That was his gimmick in, in the AWA. He would challenge people to arm wrestling contests. And he would challenge like people like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair to arm wrestling contests in the AWA. People who he knew would never show up. <laughs> yeah. The giant kips up at one point, making the crowd blow. God, that was awesome, though. Yeah, it was. He even hit a drop kick at one point. Uh, Giant wins with a pinfall after a big choke slam. Not great, but not terrible. Uncle Dave gave it one and one four star. I gave it two. What do you say? I gave it one. It was boring. It was however, however, I did say this. It was boring. If this even makes any sense, I don't know. Boring, but watchable because it wasn't yeah. that long. It was the Giant, you know, against the NWO as per usual for the whole year for the most part. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it was it was over quickly, but it wasn't really a match, in my opinion. It was just... It, yeah, it was like, fine. Who was like, Giant not be yet? Scott Norton. Okay, here we go. It uh, was funny. It made me laugh. Did you notice the Giant, whenever he would roar, he'd be like... Aah! It was like kind of uh, high-pitched. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like... Aah! I'm like, quit quit roaring, please. Kind of like with the episode of Raw, of uh, Monday Night Raw that became famous, because every time Brock would roar into the camera, he'd be like... Aah! Yeah. <laughs> it's like well, it's quit. stupid because people will kill the hell out of that stuff too. So that's what the internet well, does. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, my fact for this was the next time a giant has a one-on-one match on pay-per-view, he gets his neck broke. That's... Oh, was it uh, the one where he gets power bombed by Nash? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oi. 
I mean, yeah, yeah he's in World rough. War Three, but there's next one-on-one match on pay-per-view. So. Yeah. yeah, that sucks. Up next, man, what doesn't suck completely was Diamond Dallas Page and Lex Luger took on the team of Scott Hall and Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth in their corner. It was no disqualification. It went on for 10 minutes, 19 seconds. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, all of these guys are great. But for some reason, this match didn't click for me. It seemed more about star power over match quality. But the crowd got into it, and so I guess that's all that matters. Hall knocks out referee Mark Curtis, I believe that was, and then crotch chops over top of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey J comes out, and Hall Mickey kicks Hansen. him in the head. No, here he's Mickey J. Watch your mouth. Uh, and uh, he kicks him in the head, knocking him out. Larry Zabisco finally leaves commentary. The crowd freaking blows for him, too. He gets into the ring. The fans are at a fever pitch. Luger sneaks up behind Hall. Zabisco shoves Hall, and he rolls up Luger. Or, excuse me, Luger rolls up Hall. And Zabisco gets down and makes the, the fast three count. One, two, three. And he says that DDP and Luger are the winners. Uncle Dave and I both gave this two stars. What say you? I went a little higher, actually. I thought three stars. I really enjoyed this because, first, I love how they were throwing DDP between the rings. I thought that was hilarious, like throwing them back yeah. and forth. And then, like, how they buried Luger between the two rings. I gave it credit yeah. for that. Like, there is another ring there. I feel like it had me acknowledged all right. right, and they did. So I was like, I, yeah. you know, I thought that made the match fun. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I said the I mean, uh, ending didn't... was odd, but it made sense. Yeah. Zabisco was fuming with Hall and, you know, but like, why does Zabisco get the count of three? That's what I didn't get, but nah, I don't, don't want to use logic here and ruin our whole thing. So is he, was he an official or just a commentator? He was just a commentator. Hmm. Yeah. Then that doesn't make sense. If he was an official, I'd be like, ah, whatever. But I don't, I mean, he would be later on, wouldn't he? Yeah. He would have multiple special referee mat, uh, spots, but yeah, that's it. You realize this was like an old AWA few. I did, yeah. He got Big Scott Hall and Larry Zabisco. TDP was there for a minute, I believe. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, Macho Man was the only one in this match that never went through AWA. <laughs> he was a Memphis feller. Here's a, here's a really fun fact that I noticed. Like, that I, I did some research on it. Uh, starting here, DDP would not have a traditional one-on-one match until Star K98. Every match huh. he was in after this was either a tag match, a title match, some kind of no DQ Bowery rules match. Just <laughs> like he would not have a traditional one-on-one match or nothing else going on until 98. That just tells me how big he was from here on out. Yeah. Like he, wow. he's going to be featured in something big. So yeah. Just, yeah. This was when he was really taken off. He was still wearing the tights. He wasn't in the jeans yet, uh, but he had the, the infamous shirt that everybody remembers. Like I didn't have the, uh, didn't have the ribs taped yet. Yeah. Yeah, but he was definitely getting in full DDP form. He wasn't all gimmicked out like he was once upon a time. Yeah, 97 was the start when he gave the dummy cutter to Scott Hall in the Superdome. Yeah. that That's when it all started, so. And then he had the feud of the year with Macho Man. That's still, like, the best feud I've ever seen wrestling. But up next, we get Michi Nokerlin on the stage, letting us know that Arn Anderson is not in the building tonight, but he is on the stupid WCW hotline to give his thoughts on the NWO parody of the Four Horsemen. And, he, and to let us know that is not the hand he opens beer with, so he was wrong. Good Lord. Uh, I remember watching Sorry. this, though, thinking he was going to come out and be the fourth guy. Like, that's, He's I really, the fourth man! I really thought that. So That would have been cool. I wish he could have been, but yeah. He said... 
I mean, on his own podcast, he said that doctor that did his neck surgery messed him up bad. Cause, and he said he was just like in excruciating pain after the surgery. And the doctor even admitted he messed up. And he was like, well, knowing what I know now, I wish I could have went back and sued him because he flat out admitted to me that he did a bad job. So I guess WWE had James Andrews on a retainer. Yeah. Yeah. Which they should have at that point. Shoot. We get a commercial right after that for Halloween Havoc. It involves the Macho Man, not because, and I don't remember, was Macho Man have, like in the main event here? I don't remember what he was doing. He gets involved in the main event. Okay. Well, my point this being, was, he wasn't like, yeah. my, uh, my point being, he wasn't like the featured guy, but he's a featured guy in this commercial because Halloween Havoc is brought to you by Slim Jim. And if you didn't know that, go watch the show. They'll only remind you 436 times. Yep. They did that. I, what did they they sponsor like every Halloween Havoc from like 95 on. Yep. It was just, and and they always announced it. It wasn't WCW Halloween Havoc. It was Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Eh, whatever. The commercial was cool though. They made that, uh, that macho man outfit, I believe for a Mattel figure. Yeah. It's an exclusive one. It's in the Slim Jim box, which I own. Ah, well, and you can now, you. you can now probably get it for the low, low price of like 500 bucks. Oh, well, well, that's it. That's shoot. That's like a new game system. <laughs> but I, native... I got, I jumped on that right away. I was like, I will never see this again. I need to have this in my collection. So yeah, I, I paid 50 bucks for it, which was like, wow. What? 30, 30 or 40% more than it should have been, but man, it's worth yeah. it. It's the most gorgeous figure and packaging you've ever seen. So yeah, I kind of wish I would have jumped on it, but you know, it is what it is. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. For the main event, it is the NWO team of Buff Bagwell, Kevin Nash, Six, and Conan. That is correct. Taking on the Four Horsemen. Technically, it's Chris Benoit, Steve McMichael, Ric Flair, and Kurt Hennig, although Hennig is not at ringside right away. It's war games. My first note for this is I'll never get over Buff and Conan being in this match. I can forgive six because he was Nash's little punk, but I just Buff and Conan, I don't get. (laughs) Yeah, this was just Even Scott Morton, as weird as it sounds, would have made more sense. I'm thinking that as far as like, like you think, well, Hogan's not in this match. Clearly, he's defending the world title tonight, right? Nope, he's just not at the show. This is effing war games. Come on. And he had experience in war games. Storyline-wise, this would have made sense to put him in there. Uh, I don't know. But we start off the match with Bagwell and Benoit, because when I think Iron Man, I think Bagwell. (laughs) 
<laughs> then again, I think, well, I, I actually, I would have put six in there to begin with. It, when I think Iron Man, I would think of him. But either way, that dastardly NWO won the coin toss, and Conan comes in I was in shocked next. they won it, because the heels never win the coin toss. I know. It's almost like these coin tosses are fixed, Greg, and they're not real. But I, wow, I would never just, suggest that you just, uh, you just insinuated that the coin toss actually happens. But anyways, go on. <laughs> well, I, 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 what are you saying? That this is all work? Is that what you're saying, Greg? No. That it's not real? It's fake? No. Take that back. But here's here's something real quick off topic. I mean, on topic, but off company topic. Uh, there was one lethal lockdown TNA where the face team won once. I believe it was like 09 or something like that. So, <laughs> wow. And I was baffled. It's like literally the only time it's ever happened. Hell, I believe even in today's war games in NXT, the heel team still wins. Yeah. Well, that's that was one thing that because Brian Alvarez and his buddies reviewed all. Of the I already don't lockdowns. care. Can you move on, please? <laughs> well, he would always rant. I'm being serious. That. <laughs> Our listeners will care anyway. Like he would always rant against that because he was uh, like in TNA because he was like it was. It's really simple to set up a war games match. The, it's a face versus heel. The face gets the advantage, and then the heel cheat. You know, it's 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 legal within the terms of the match, but it's dastardly because it's two on one, and then you build the match from there. And TNA never got that concept. <laughs> and I was like, eh, I guess, but I don't know. I always enjoyed Lethal Lockdown, but then again, I always try to look for positives in cage matches. I don't know. Either way, Mongo is the second man in for the Four Horsemen. It's not shocking whatsoever that Six is the next one in for the NWO because Nash has to be the, the last guy. Benoit has been absolutely whooping ass since the opening bell. Kurt Hennig now comes to the ring with his right arm in a sling. Ric Flair is in next for the Four Horsemen. Kevin Nash is the last man in to the War Games cage for the New World Order. He comes in and absolutely cleans house. The crowd starts chaining. We want Sting who, by the way, was also not at this show. Spoiler. Flair goes on a low blow streak. Did you did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Just this goes through a like, staple for him. So he just Nothing goes through talk. the match, just low blowing everybody in the chuck. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Kurt Hennig actually comes in, takes off his sling, pulls out some handcuffs, and he punches Mongo with them. No. Now, real quick, go back and watch it. Uh, I didn't realize it until now. It looked like he missed Nash and went for Mongo. Like that's what it looked like. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. But it looked like Nash was like, oh, I see it coming. And then he like slightly moved to the left. Yeah, yeah. So like he looked like he missed him for that reason. Yeah. But then he takes the handcuffs right away and tosses them to Nash to kind of signify it's like, nah, we're together. Uh, the NWO then locks Benoit and Mongo to the cage with uh, handcuffs while they beat up on Ric Flair. Hennig takes his four horsemen shirt off and rips it. Nash grabs a mic asking the horsemen if they surrender, but all refuse. And they keep getting beaten on. All right, I'm going to pause right here in this to because I was thinking about this. I'm like, Hennig is still part of the Horseman team. Yeah, he turned on them, but he's part of the Horseman team, right? Right. Why didn't Why didn't he just grab the mic and say, "We surrender, you win"? <laughs> well, because it was I was about punishing Flair. I, I mean, I get that part, and I. Well, I mean, but I, then you do that, you ruin the whole thing. Like the whole thing was they want to beat the hell out of him. So what would be the point of him doing that? Okay, they win. So what, are they just going to leave now? Well, they then, wanted to hear the Horseman quit, and Hennig was not a Horseman. I yeah, I mean that does make sense. I'm not so, saying it doesn't. My my boy is just like right before the finale, Hennig acted almost like annoyed, like, man, what are we gonna have to do to win? You know, they they're not giving up. Dang it. And you know, and like he seemed like frustrated, you know? And it's like, well, if, at this point, if you think you've beaten him up enough, why don't you just surrender? I don't know. But yeah, your point does make absolute sense. I get it. Don't uh, I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh the NWO drags Flair's head into the cage door frame and Nash says that if the horsemen don't quit, quote, Flair gets the guillotine. 
Mongo says to stop it, and he surrenders, but Hennig slams the cage door on Flair's face anyway. Uncle Dave says that the War Games match was probably one of the worst ever, but the post-game, or post-game, post-match angle was great. As expected, Kurt Hennig turned on the horseman and slammed the cage door on Flair's head. The angle was done to give Flair some time off because he's going to go have some cosmetic surgery. And again, ruins the illusion of wrestling. I love that. That's great. What, getting the getting the cosmetic surgery? No, telling people why it happened. Like, just let it happen. It's a story. Don't nah. be a douche and say all that. That's why I hate wrestling. That's why I stopped reading the internet. People just ruin it. I don't know. This was an iconic moment in the history of WCW. Uh, Flair has made it very public about the fact that he wanted a facelift, so that's why he was off TV for so long. Yeah, but I don't think they need to say that. That doesn't need to be acknowledged. I mean, a real fan wouldn't say that. That's why Meltzer's a piece of crap. So, <laughs> Wow. Either way, Uncle Dave and I both gave this two and a half stars. I agreed, like what you and I were talking about with Buff and Conan being in the match. It was like, but it should have been it should have been Scott Norton, I think, because he was the big brute. Yeah, Scott Hall and Macho Man were in a tag match. They were big time players. Yeah, and I see why. Were they just trying to cement? Were they just trying to cement that Buff and Conan could be main event players? Because they literally were never in a main event again, I I don't think. They were trying to make them big deals in the NWO, and Bischoff said that uh, he liked Buff and and, thought he fit in whatever. And then he also said that he thought that Conan brought credibility to the crew of, you know, quote, being cool and whatever. And Andy, I think he was buddies with Nash and Hall, too, so I don't know. But diversity, pal. Yeah, the match itself was not great but the the angle was what the match was about that's what it was building up to and the angle was iconic it lived forever and it, i mean this was probably arguably the biggest thing kurt hennig ever did in wcw right mm-hmm. yeah i guess so because i'm trying to think of anything else the only thing i could think of is like the west texas redneck stuff i mean he wins the title the next night too so the u.s the u.s title yeah yeah well actually I, he does have a world title match on paper with goldberg and couple of months I, oh the yeah the beach so but even that, that was as big as this this era i would say this september and october of 1997 was a big time for kurt hennig with the horsemen the nwo and even though i i mean we can always armchair quarterback and everything else what well, is monday Spoiler. yeah uh but we, we can always do that stuff and look back and rebook the territory and all that uh, i don't know man i would have kept him in the horsemen Okay, so one of my notes is I remember when I was watching this, I was legitimately shocked that Kurt Henning turned. Um, yeah. I thought the Horsemen were going to be a formidable uh, formidable team against the NWO because uh-huh. it just made sense. I saw Sting and Hogan coming. I mean, we all saw it coming. Clearly, <laughs> clearly I was coming. I was like, okay, Sting and the Horsemen, the NWO, it made sense. I just... Mm. I feel like at this point, even with the reunion of the Horsemen in September of next year... This was the end of the Horsemen, I feel like. Yeah, it re- I mean, this pretty it. much. Well, you know who wasn't shocked by this turn, Greg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the time, though, oh, God, I hate to agree with the ass. Sorry, can I say that? <laughs> but he's right, because everybody was joining the NWO. So, I mean, some yeah. of this just felt different to me, though. It's like the like shock just, ending that wasn't all that shocking, because yeah. everybody does it. But I just I felt like this was going to be different. So, like, watching this, I was, like, legitimately shocked. Like, oh, my God. It's, it's, yeah. Well, and he slammed. Okay, and as much as I just said, you know, I mean, 
all we said about cosmetic surgery, blah, blah, blah. He slammed a freaking cage door in the Nature Boy Ric Flair's head in North Carolina. Wait, yeah, what? he also said he uh, – they, they used that for a while, saying, saying he closed the door on the horseman, which uh, sucks, but it's clever because he did. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think this was the end of him, so he did. Yeah, because Jar- like we just talked about, Jarrett, throughout this whole time, Jarrett's whole gimmick was I'm trying to be in the horseman. I want to be the next Ric Flair, blah, blah, blah. He's gone next month. Flair goes out for cosmetic surgery. They need a fourth member. They eventually well, get Malenko. Ours, ours retired. So, I mean, even at this point, yeah. the only right. person going, are we allowed to say the same, is Benoit. And he's still or got the Mongo. Horseman logo on the... Yeah, but I just, I feel like after this, he didn't do anything with the Horseman. Like, Benoit still wore the tights that had the four on the side, and he still held the sign. Mongo kind of just faded away. Yeah, I actually have that, uh, that Jack's figure that Benoit in those tights with the long hair, and he's got like a painted-on Four Horsemen shirt. I feel like he was like the most proud Horseman. Like, he never stopped wearing that. And even when he was not the horseman anymore, he wore, like, a variation of it. Oh, yeah. Actually, I want to say Brian Pillman started that, too, that look. The four horsemen look on the tights. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him doing it. So, yeah, I forgot to ask you, what uh, what uh, what did you rate this this match? Well, I always said that War Games was never meant to be amazing. It was never going to be great. But mm. with that in mind, this was a huge brawl. There was a lot going on. I feel like it accomplished that. I said three stars. I liked it. And yeah, storyline-wise, it was really good. Also worth noting, fun fact, this is the last ever traditional War Games match. Oh, yeah, 90, uh, 98 was the uh, three teams, right? Yeah, and then there wasn't one in 99, and 2000 had the three cage, whatever the hell they did on Nitro. Blah. Yeah. So, for historical reasons, I thought this was a decent one. Yeah, it was It was pretty good, and I didn't think about it in that fashion, but yeah, you're you're right. I like I said, didn't think about it before. So all in all, uh, I like I said, I gave it two and a half stars. So did Uncle Dave. You gave it three. Yeah, I really like this match. Uh, well, one last fact for this, by the way. There were okay. 16 Hall of Famers in this show. That's crazy to think about. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, how many Observer Hall of Fame members are in this? <laughs> I was just kidding. Well, none, because the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega haven't started wrestling yet. Oh man! Hey, they haven't made it into the Hall of Fame yet, man. They they came close, but uh, well, their first ballot unanimous. Well, you know, Sakuchi Kochima Kachakawa, you know, is is like a three time Hall of Famer for the Observer. He's the first ever eight star match guy, too, I believe. Yeah, something like that. It he uh, he got it in the Egg Dome, but either way, that sounded dirty. Wow. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. But the final ratings for the show, man, IMDb gives it a 7 out of 10. Cagematch.net gives it a 6.47 out of 10. They're harsh. I gave it an 8 out of 10. What say you? I gave it a solid B-. minus. I thought it was a really fun show. Yeah. yeah. Some boring I, matches, but overall, good. Yep. I dug it. I did not regret watching this one. I, it took me back so much. I just I loved watching this one so much. Uh, yeah. Just brought back all the feels. This was like one of the first pay-per-views that, uh, that I was like, didn't see the ending coming. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. one, like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess the other one being, uh, spring stampede earlier that earlier this year where DDP fought up beat the macho man. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't see that coming. That was the main event. And like this one, like shock value wise, like, wow. Like the shock master, which also happened or which also built up to a fall brawl. I like that. It's a good transition. Damn straight. We do maybe next September. Greg, you and I should review that one. I also <laughs> next year we can get some war games in early because there was a war games that happened at a Great American Bash, I think eighty eight. I want to say that's I all did. it was at back in the day before Fall Brawl. Was yeah, great, it was usually not even at a Great American Bash. It was like a Great American Bash tour. Yeah, yeah. So there was a ton of them. All right, but uh, if, if anybody wants some more Fall Brawl, we covered Fall Brawl nineteen ninety five in our bonus show for this month. We threw you a freaking bonus here. Uh, you can listen to that. It is now in the archives. But next month is October. We're getting spooky. We're doing some NWA. Yes. That was <laughs> We're doing some NWA, some WCW, and some WWF and WWE. They're different, damn it. Because on October 2nd, we're coming to you with the very first ever NWA Halloween Havoc 1989. It was actually a first and last Halloween Havoc under the NWA banner. They would officially be WCW the next year. But this one, we're in the process of watching it, and uh, I mean, it starts off, it's one of them that starts off slow, but it's building up to a big crescendo at the end. What do you so, mean it starts out slow, man? That was freaking five stars to start up, but not to spoil anything. I want to smack you so hard. Now, October 14th, <laughs> we've got WWF In Your House Buried Alive. That one, I know we've done a lot of 89, we've done a lot of 97. This one is from 1996. We haven't done a 1996 show since our second episode now in the archives where we covered great American bash 96. This one is the WWF's effort in October of 96. It's in your house, buried alive. It was undertaker and mankind main yep. event. Okay. Yeah. So this was in the, the debut of, of uh, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> a, a big debut. That's, that's gotta be no, not him, but anyway, uh, I still uh, chuckle. You said big debut, but whatever. Hey, I'm, I'm Trying to, I'm trying to build suspense, Greg. No, don't uh, do that, because they're just going to be let the hell down. <laughs> how dare you? Everybody, thanks for joining us today. Next week, we're going to be coming at you. It is officially October, so next week, we are going to be coming at you with uh, some uh, some Halloween Havoc from the year 1989. Yes, another 1989 show from the NWA. I think we've agreed this is going to be the last 89 show. <laughs> yeah, for... For quite a while, that's for sure. Eventually, we'll go back to it one day, but it's going to be not any time in the near future. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will come at you all next week with Halloween Havoc. 
Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.